Greetings, outcast, free thinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. Today, we've invited returning guests, Emily Moyer and Danny Katz, to talk with us about the research that they've done over the last five years regarding the Santa Fe Institute and the Lifeboat Foundation. It's a rabbit hole that I've not heard about anywhere else, and I believe it's one that deserves to be looked into, especially as it involves a lot of sacred cows, many of whom used to belong or were categorized under the term the intellectual dark web, many of which I had various degrees of respect for, some of which I still do, but I believe I hold their motivations uh, under a little more scrutiny than perhaps I did before. I think it's important to apply scrutiny not only to those that we feel are on the quote-unquote other side, but on our side too, Um, and maybe even more so. Uh, Because it's easy to give a pass to those that we feel have our best interest at heart and to be super critical of those that we feel uh, oppose our views. So this is great. This research is great in that regard. Both Emily and Danny invite others to add to their research, to attempt to poke holes in it, and to interact with them about it. Um, And I have provided their contact information in the episode notes. I start off the conversation by asking them what put these two organizations and their activities on their radar in the first place. So I think to understand where this came from, I just want to give a little bit of background of like where our work together started, and then I'll let Danny say whatever she likes about it. 
Um, so Danny and I in sometime around 2017 got reconnected after having known each other when we were young doing gymnastics together. I wouldn't say we were friends when we were kids. She was a bit older than, than I was, but we were for several years at the same gym working out together, even if in separate groups and being molded by basically like the same set of ideals and authority figures largely in our life. And both of us also have a more, a stronger and more um, like I just had a more influential relationship with our fathers on many levels than we did with our mothers. So even outside of the gym, that was kind of similar, but in 2017, you know, we had been Facebook friends for years. We started to notice that our feeds were sort of cross pollinating in a way that like was different than just the usual gymnastics nonsense. And that, you know, of the people that we sort of knew from our childhood, we were more in line with each other than everybody else was with anything we thought. And so we reconnected and she had been doing a lot of interesting work different than what I was doing. And Randy and I had her on our show on off planet radio. And then we spun off a series that is called, it was, it was first called words with Danny. And then it was just called words that was largely based around applying like her work to like what we saw going on in the sort of larger world. And I think when we started, it was a lot about the way people, how people were talking about things but when we started to look at it just to maybe like correct the language or sort of like some of the people we were analyzing, we really liked a lot of things about them. And we were just sort of like making corrections or like giving them a wish list of things we wish they would do. And at a certain point, we realized there was something wrong with all of these people that we thought were like maybe kind of on our side, but a little misinformed or they have it right in some places, but not in the others. And we started to realize that we were looking at a very intense, enormous, many-layered, multifaceted operation to synthesize truth and bullshit, the balance being as little truth and as much bullshit as possible into something that uh, people who are starting to question, not just like the ridiculous mainstream narrative, but even like maybe one or two steps deeper than that would buy with them still be able being able to keep their systems of domination, control and fuckery uh, intact. So Danny, who who would be those kinds of people just out of curiosity? Well, we started focusing um on the intellectual dark web. So back when they hit the scene like <clears throat> Emily and I went to see Jordan Peterson speak in person. I think we were, you know, I think it's fair to say we were both um, inspired by some of the things he was saying. And it was refreshing to hear someone speaking some sanity into the cultural mix. And then that moved into Eric Weinstein and Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying and and Joe Rogan specifically kind of like what was emerging out of that. Um, So those were the people that kind of started it. If you if you take a look at like the intellectual dark web in like it's 2016, 17 sort of makeup um, and then also like the shift that started happening in the Joe Rogan podcast in like the mid 20 teens. Right. 
all of the people that were connected to those kinds of spaces, because it's a large map at this point. Yes. We were observing that. Sam right? Harris, too. Yeah. Sam, Sam Harris on the intellectual dark website. And then, you know, through Joe Rogan and some of the people involved in like pushing psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And then as you branch out people who like used to be liberals, but had like moved into a place that's now gone into pure being purely being right wingers like Dave Rubin, but had this middling period where we thought, okay, maybe they're going to get it. Like none of them got it. Like some people made the full pendulum swing to the other side and others just like, moved into this like um, toxic algae bloom of bullshit that is <laughs> like all encompassing, having nothing to do with left or right per se. Where um, would you think that Bill Maher falls in that? Do you want to take this one first, Danny, or you want me to take it? Uh, go ahead. I don't, I think that Bill Maher, I wouldn't really consider him part of this on any other level than that he talks with the people from this. But he seems to not be willing to um, buy into this as a religion. Like, I think he's mostly concerned, I think, with, like, with being stoned and and with, (laughs) you know, and whatever conversations or ideas occur to him is that. And he's a little bit more, by his nature, contrarian than most of the other people who are part of this, there are a few who also are quite contrarian, but in a very different way, more concerned with how smart they think they are or, or whatnot. Whereas Bill Maher is, you know, I think he's confused about some things. I don't think he understands some of the words he uses to describe himself or what's going on around him in their true essence. Right. But I actually think that he's just a good platform to run things through that he allows to happen, but I wouldn't say he's actively engaging it or involving it or trying to move himself forward with this. It's just not the role he's playing. Sure. He's Switzerland in that whole scheme. He's just kind of, yeah. Talking to people. You have a take on that, Danny and on Bill Maher? I mean, I don't even know if he's privy to what Emily and I are tracking. I, my guess would be no. I feel like he he functions as a useful idiot, idiot exactly. And I'm not calling him an idiot at all. I'm just using that propaganda term. Sure. Where I think that um, like he's charismatic. He's been in the business for a long time. He, a lot of people come through and he's stoned and has a giant ego and I think is oblivious. And a giant nose also, which is really weird. Again. <laughs> um, but he also, the other, the, the, this I would say about the role he's playing. Once we see, like, it, R- Russell Brand was on a few weeks ago. And to me, like, that was the um, ritual where Russell Brand was crowned, like, the king of a part of the op that they had been looking for someone to lead. If you go back and listen to comments that my good friend Robert Phoenix made about Russell Brand all the way back in 2012 or 2013. He had this idea of Russell Brand as being the Pied Piper, literally the story that is going to lead the children into harm's way, but he's going to seem like he's speaking sense and saving them and and whatever it is, right? And uh, this is difficult on some levels because there's some things about Russell Brand I quite like, right? But he reveals himself and what his true either intentions or the role he's playing is in so many ways that I can't be that contradictory of my own. I I have to obey my intelligence. Right. 
But if you watch him recently, it's like they have kind of decided sort of what the next place they're going with things are. And the idea is that he has done a beautiful job of making eloquent into like the ideals that he think he thinks the sort of people who've come together over the craziness of the last couple of years should sort of be shooting for and representing. And uh, a lot of them sound they're like a biomimicry of of something that sounds maybe good or maybe sort of like some kind of freedom or whatever, but is basically the same bullshit that we've been uncovering here over and over and over. It's like they it's like they send the Scooby Doo guy out for a new mask, but it's always the same guy, you know, underneath the mask in every yeah, episode. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, I feel like the brand op was obvious from the get go because it was like. Why is he not being deplatformed for saying the same things all the rest of us are being deplatformed for? And then I love that you brought up Robert Phoenix because he did a show with the Krimis at the end of last year about um, Russell Brand and Freire and like kind of tracking his allegiance to Marxism and communism. So, yeah, that's Brand. Plus, he's kissing Yuval Harari's ass. So that's that's an ass you don't want your lips anywhere near. (laughs) right i think he might like yuval harari might be like one of the most disturbing disturbing human beings i have ever observed and i've observed a lot of these right but just i have never like there's this clip of him just like saying all of these incredibly crazy things at this like weird pace and with this weird rhythm or staccato Mm -hmm. And whatever, and it's just like, what the fuck is this? It's like an, it's like a kind of entity that I have never encountered before in any of my movements between the realms. That it is just like so dispassionate, and so um, I don't even know what to call it. But it's just there's very few people. There's a few people that really disturb me, but he's definitely up there. A soulless ghoul is what I what I choose to call him. Totally. Like a lot of the ghouls have like a soul that is a disgusting soul or a soul I don't like, but I kind of see like what they're like there's a, a a passion or like a something behind it that is like maybe disturbing, maybe gross, maybe bad, wrong, whatever, but it isn't so just cold and devoid of yeah. anything that I can even understand. Yeah, and he's not trying at all to disguise it. He just comes right out and says it and it's like Holy fuck. Look at the balls on you. Wow. <laughs> or, yeah, it probably does not have balls. He probably doesn't. If he doesn't have a soul, he probably doesn't have balls. Yeah, I look at uh, him as kind of in the same uh, brand, as the, in the same level as David Icke, as Alex Jones. You know, these are people who have not been um, taken out. And and if they're really telling the truth of of you mean Russell Brand? Yeah, we're talking about Brand. Now, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm talking Brand, about like, Brand. Ferrari's not like either of okay. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I think Brand. Outer. I think Brand is kind of on the same level. I I truly believe that he's a controlled op. I believe that David Icke is a controlled op, and I would also say that about Alex Jones. You know, with me, with Alex Jones, for example. The story he tells of Bohemian Grove is so outlandish and so insane that I none none of it reads like it's the truth. It reads like it's a script that he's been given. And so I I just feel like anyone that has any level of influence uh, is 
compromised? I don't actually put them in the same category. And I don't, I certainly have issues with um, Alex Jones. And I actually interviewed Ike uh, for three hours back in 2009. Cool. And while I felt like, congruency in his words he did not make eye contact with me for that entire time wow which had me feeling like i mean this was just my intuitive hit was just like oh there's some like higher like collective of light beings moving through him because i felt like like the talk that he gave when i interviewed him was extremely positive and i feel like both alex jones and david ike have been in it so long like there's a genuine devotion to truth there russell brand has always been an actor and a celebrity Mm -hmm. so for me it's just like you know like an apples and asparagus kind of deal yeah interesting i like it so intellectual dark web comes on the scene 2015 ish you guys both start paying attention to that where what's the next step into this maze real quick i just want to say something about david ike and and alex jones kind of my sort of take on that so I, I didn't know you had done that with uh, with David Ike before, Danny. Of all the things we've talked about, I don't think you've ever <laughs> But I know other people that have either known or worked with David Ike who have expressed that, like, he's not the same person all the time. So her idea that maybe he's just a vessel that things come through, and sometimes the things coming through are good, sometimes not so good. If you look at his body and the way he moves his hands, like his hand, like he has one hand that looks like it's, like, not even attached to his body. He looks very discombobulated on every, every level for me. And so my my take is like, this is going to sound really weird, but I see uh, Kanye West in a similar way. Huh. Interesting. That, that people are kind of like some kind of weird empty vessel or, or, or not that there's no essence of them being a specific person. Right. Somehow their energy body is like Swiss cheese. And their mind is very, it's very easy. It's kind of like when you hear that like some nightclub that you like going to, but it's too expensive, has like this back door you can get into and then you don't have to pay. It's yeah. like all the people who run fucked hard operations in the world know about the Swiss cheese in the mind of these two right. based on the same thing that sometimes can make them brilliant. Like they're open to all of this inspiration coming through. But if you can like, if you can like jump onto the back of the inspiration van, you can get a ride right into, you know, the operations center here right. and you can manipulate that. And part of the time you're actually manipulating their minds. And other times it's just getting them to say things that you can manipulate after, even if the things they're saying are kind of right and true to say them in a way that can be distorted externally later. Um, and, and that's how I see him with Alex Jones. The longer this goes on with him, the less suspicious I become of him. Interesting. Right? So, I, I, and when I say that, I don't mean <clears throat> on the up and up, but I think what you're, and I had this really weird experience. I was just telling someone else the other day. I ran into him at a sushi restaurant shortly after I moved back to Austin. Uh-huh. And you know, when you come out of a restroom at a bathroom, like, at a, you know, you're kind of still like fixing your hair, you're checking yourself. So I'm kind of doing that as I walk out of the bathroom and all of a sudden he's like this close to me. <laughs> right, right in my face. And it was so close that it's almost like, do you remember that cell phone technology they had for a while where you could like bump the two phones together and they would Yes. Shake? Yeah. It was almost like that. Like I got the full <laughs> psychic imprint of this person. And this was during the time like, not what the Sandy Hook trial thing going, all that crazy shit that went on, right? Yeah. 
that this is a deeply flawed individual who is not interested in, uh, is not like, ha, 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 and interested in like fucking people, mm-hmm. but who has made some huge mistakes based on his vices around drugs and alcohol and things like that, that have gotten him into compromising positions. And sometimes he's made wrong choices when he's been in those situations. Yeah. And it has compromised his ability to be completely clean in the information that he delivers. But I do not classify either of those people in the same way place that I cl- classify Russell Brand. Right. Russell, Russell Brand is doing something differently. And like I have a different read on him and I don't completely hate him per se, but he is very intelligent. He is very well aware of what he's doing. And he he is not someone else is not in control of Russell Brand's mind. Really? Right? I don't think so. Right. I think that Russell Brand has some things that he's passionate about mm-hmm. and some things that are important to him. And when you can tell when he's talking about them. There's this passion behind him that like he's being completely honest. And then when he talks about other things, he does it with a rhythm and staccato that is more of the characters he's played in some of his comedy specials or in movies he's been in mm-hmm. or whatnot. And he's willing to go along with the rest of that because he gets to do his passionate activism about the few things that he cares about that maybe would align with something you or I care about. Maybe not, but there's definitely some people it does. There's another person who's like this, even though she completely presents different than him. And that's Tulsi Gabbard, who mm. I think also it like is, is able to be manipulated because of, now I think her mind is being controlled, but the things she talks about so passionately that we're all like, yes, yes, she's right about that. Those are the things she really cares about. And if the cost for all of that is all of the other nonsense and whatever, she's like, she's either cool with that or like that part of her mind is under control. She's a little different than brand. But if you see the two of them talk about the few things that they really care about and mm-hmm. kind of like if you had a truth serum to see, like, did they agree to go along with all the rest of the nonsense just so they could make a difference about these two things they really care about? Like you could see the light flicker for, for that kind of thing. Interesting. Right? So it it could possibly be that they are tentacles of a larger octopus. They're not necessarily completely controlled, but they're not necessarily not compromised potentially i mean when you say they who who all all of the above uh i was marveling that uh emily and i agree on this (laughs) (laughs) i love Um, you guys so much i'm so glad we're here this is amazing i feel like i'm with emily i feel like uh alex jones and David Icke are flawed, well-intentioned humans generally working for the forces of good. And I don't think that's the case for Brand. Mm. And I have a lot of questions about Tulsi. Excellent. Okay. Next step towards. Back to what you asked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, so the question was looking at the intellectual dark web and that 20, that, that mid teen kind of period, and then where to go from there. And I think one of the things that happened is like Danny and I were cross pollinated, we cross pollinated into each other's information streams and started looking at things that the other, the other hadn't either wasn't paying attention to at all, or hadn't recognized how it was part of, of this thing. And we started kind of like, like, here's her, like when you were little, 
right? Like, and your parents would like braid your hair, French braid your hair. There was like the section of hair over here, the section of hair, the middle hair, and you're starting to pull them together and creating like a, a like a little rug or like a you know something that is different than it would be with everything stayed apart. And so we started to kind of find our own weave or our own way that was a sort of mixture, like how Michael and I pull from the esoteric, right? Or like the imaginal or synchromistic realm. Ours was starting to pull from the political and pop culture realm and and, and start to mix that with some of these more like darkly conspiratorial or like large scale ongoing think tank, social engineering kind of operations and starting to see sort of what the new thing would look like as, as we move forward, it looks dis- very, very different than it looked the first 15 years of, of, of the post 2000 area era and started to, to, to look a, a certain way. And, and I think we've been offering ongoing commentary on sort of um, it's like, it's like there's a sculpture in the room and you're kind of continuing to like work away at the little edges and refine it or whatever. And, and, and we're doing it and they're doing it. The people who are running the operation are doing it and we're commenting on what we see and they're responding to that and, you know, ironing out the chinks and their bullshit and we're getting sharper in our assessment of it. Um, but it's moved into some places that have helped us to figure out like what the game at hand is. Go ahead, Danny. Yeah, I think, I mean, it started with, and I'll just speak for myself, but like these were people who I admired and these were people whose work I really liked. Um, and then just realizing like, wait, this this isn't right. Wait, th- wait, why are they saying this? And then just like, for me, because my background is as a journalist and that wasn't what had initially brought Emily and I together in our work. It was more my quantum languaging work. But as this all started to unfold, then, you know, I started digging deeper and we started following the money and just realizing like, oh, there's a big thing here. And as far as SFI specifically, I think that started when I moved back to Santa Fe. And is that right, Emily? I think that came a little later. I think that came a little bit a little bit later, I think the SFI thing, I'm trying to think about like the first time. No, this was just, this was, this was right about right before I moved to Austin. This was after COVID. This was when COVID had started. I hadn't moved back to Austin yet. And you sent me this recording of like some Russian meeting that was taking place where the Santa Fe Institute was right. But before, but before that Schmachtenberger had caught our eye, right? Well, you're right. Like, I think the difference between Danny and I with this is that I never admired a lot of these people, but these were people I was hoping would be able, and this was my huge, like, error in, in observation and in calculation. Like, I was always, I was very deep into, like, dark, weird, arcane conspiracy stuff. I always have been, right? Like, more in the MK Ultra kind of realm and, like, far weirder stuff than that, even. And when I started to see what some of these people were talking about and where, right. Like, or, or just the direction where they were starting to question things in the same way I started to question them maybe in 2001 or 2002, I was hoping these people would help to bridge the gap between like myself and my family. And my family would see some of these people that they recognized from other things or that they thought were tolerable then they would start to be more willing to look at some of this stuff. I was completely wrong about that. And 
I, you know, and, and then I started to observe all these other things while I was looking at these people. But yes, uh, Schmackenberger, you were like side on a, like, I think you were looking at consilience uh, already and you hadn't realized that consilience and Santa Fe, then the Santa Fe thing come and then you realized they were connected. Okay. Here's how it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Emily and I were already starting to dig into um, some of the incongruities and integrity lapses we were seeing coming out of the intellectual dark web um, in like 2019. So we'd started to like realize, oh, this isn't what it seems. I moved back to Santa Fe at the same time that someone had sent me a video from Santa Fe Institute. It was on Santa Fe Institute's YouTube channel of Daniel Schmachtenberger giving this talk about like raising the consciousness of culture. <laughs> Emily's <laughs> we're agreeing again. <laughs> um, and he was referencing language and like moving away from nouns into verbs. And I was like, oh my God, he's speaking my language. Like we're on the same page. We're doing the same thing. So I had simultaneously reached out to Daniel Schmachtenberger through social media. We had a bunch of friends in common. We had started kind of a behind the scenes conversation. And then as I moved back to Santa Fe, I reached out to Santa Fe Institute because I realized, oh my God, this is a perfect match. They're focusing on language, structures, evolution, like consciousness, um, I guess not consciousness specifically, but like society. And I thought this is a great place for me to kind of like insert myself and work on behalf of the greater good. And I got this big like brick wall hard no that was just didn't make sense. Like, I don't get it. Um, And then the pandemic happened and I started to notice that Daniel was really buying into the nonsense and really preaching on behalf of people needing to cover their face, whatever, whatever. And I was like, that doesn't line up. So that kind of started to unravel that piece of it. Cut to, yeah, it was the end, maybe like a year, 2021, I think. December-ish. It was late 2020 or early 2021. Yeah. Someone sent me a video and it wasn't, um, it wasn't like on a channel. It was like, here's the file for a video in and it was all in russian and it was this russian diplomat breaking down do you remember what it was emily because this was the sfi video that like really got us into it it was something about social engineering it was like a completely new it was like we're used to the social engineering of tavistock and rand corporation and this guy was talking about like the new the next gen social engineering basically that is being discussed at, at Santa Fe Institute. And I think that book I found today, um, not the one that I sent you, but the one I found when I was talking to you uh, might be the sort of conference that, that, that was being referred to. Go ahead. It's possible. I know it had something that they had codified. I remember there were five, they created like five points of something. And then I started calling Santa Fe Institute here to get confirmation that this video came from them. And I was just getting weird doors. And that was around the same time. Like that just kind of perked my interest. And and then Emily kind of encouraged me. She's like, like, let's dig in to Santa Fe Institute. So I spent that 
December. It must have been 2021 because I think I had the bioweapon and I was just like bored and digging into SFI. Um, so what is SFI? Let's let's go there for the people who don't know what Santa Fe Institute is. Is it a school? What it What is it? It, it, so Santa Fe Institute, I think it's a, a think tank that works with systems. Their main thing is systems. Emily has the I'm looking something up face. <laughs> <laughs> we know it well. <laughs> is Brett Weinstein associated with Santa Fe Institute or does he come no. with like Okay, so, so Santa Fe Institute is this. Larger Institute, it has, I mean, Emily's going to break it down. It has a lot of connections with military funding from Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Gates, DARPA, all of the um, like military departments have some sort of relationship with them. Consilience Project is Daniel Schmachtenberger. He heads that up. Um, it has like so many people who are part of Consilience Project are also part of SFI. Um, they're clearly kind of, um, I would call them the disinformation arm, like the propaganda arm of Santa Fe Institute. And then Lifeboat, Lifeboat Foundation is what David Martin calls their Bohemian Grove. It's like their secret society transhumanist post-extinction club. Mm -hmm. Emily? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, the problem with StreamYard is it's not its own external app that I can easily move back and forth from. Uh -huh. so this is how I say, like, I'm going to tell you what Wikipedia says about Santa Fe Institute, and then I'm going to tell you how I see it. Okay. So, okay. Um, now let me go back to what I had open here. So Santa Fe Institute is an independent, nonprofit, theoretical research institute located in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and dedicated to the multidisciplinary study of the fundamental principles of complex adaptive systems, including physical, computational, biological, and social systems. Hmm. The Institute is ranked 24th among the world's top science and technology think tanks, and 24th, that's weird that it's 224th, among the mm -hmm. world's best transdisciplinary research think tanks, according to 2020 edition of the Global Go-To Think Tank Index. The Institute consists of a small number of resident faculty and postdoctoral researchers and a large group of external faculty whose primary appointments are at other institutions and a number of visiting scholars. Right. And there's been, a, you know, there's a lot of, you know, former Nobel Prize people there. But the interesting parts about it. So it was founded in 1984 by a group of scientists, including Nick Metropolis, who um that was one that when we uh, approached a uh, David Martin, a friend of ours, um, he said that like he started explaining other projects and programs that this person had been a part of. And this gets into cybernetics and uh, SIAC and sci scientific application incorporation, I think is what it is, where lots of uh, sort of mm, mind control, project looking gas, project Stargate, MKUltra kind of projects were transferred when they moved out of government agencies. Um, so he was there and then it was associated with National Alamos, uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory, as these things always are. There's never, you know, like it's always about nuclear and genetics and all of this kind of shit. Right. But there, I gave you the kind of their, their focus is on like interdisciplinary research 
called complex theory or simply complex systems research. So like complexity theory, basically, um, which I'm starting to think is just a way of overcomplicating basic ideas so that people think they're too stupid to understand them and can't figure out what going what is going on. And most of these have to do with nuclear energy, genetics, the connection between them and the sort of uh, micro macro iterations of how these things play out both biologically and according to like laws of physics and blah, 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 blah. Right. How would I see it as, as a clearinghouse for the militarization of the things that we call mindfulness, consciousness, um, uh, the doctrine of signatures, like all of these kinds of ideas where we, um, we appreciate the art of thinking and we look to nature to explain to us the best way to build things. This is the militarization and the weaponization of uh, the intellectual, like the, the, the sort of open-minded interest in those types of things, right? Um, I think that we heard that uh, everybody who's front, like achieves a certain level at the Navy has to go do around at Santa Fe Institute, mm-hmm. right? So this is, and if you look at some of the people that are touched by this, having projects funded by this and things like that, and Schmackenberger fits into this perfectly, like it seems to be that the purpose of the militarization and the weaponization of some of these things really is connected to psychedelics and like where culture is going next with that in terms of, um, of sort of building out, um, I don't know how to like, like almost like a false dimensional realm. And like, I, that's not the, I can't think of the exact way that I want to explain it. Right. But the, you know, the, if you look into ideas around like irregular warfare, right. And, um, and irregular militaries and stuff like that, a psychedelic sort of, armed forces like a way of like conducting warfare sort of in that realm that vibrational realm is where the next layer is taking us we're done with conventional warfare we've long been done with it right even though they keep trying to use it to scare us and to get us to part with our money to send it to blah 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 blah. like the the battlefield is somewhere completely different it's only in not just inside the mind, but in realms that can only be accessed through the, the mind or consciousness. It is not physical anymore. Right. right. So the military military conflicts that we're seeing right now are just really money, money laundering schemes. They're not really about going to wars in these particular places. I just wanted to... Money laundering things and operations to cover up, to, um, to destroy evidence... Um, to bomb out um, biowarfare laboratories because biowarfare is part of the connection between genetics and, and nuclear energy and all of it. It's like, it's a crazy kind of scenario that I'm starting to un- uncover. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things that we see as military actions mm-hmm. are basically to destroy evidence or to uncover um, ancient artifacts that are related to access to some of these realms that we're talking about in terms of psychedelics as well like Ark of the Covenant kind of shit, right? So I just want to jump in before we get too far away because I also want to hop on that as well. Is I also think it's important to um, to mention that they're also involved in systems uh, regarding finance, including blockchain and crypto. 
And also, um, I think the part about the ancient artifacts and spiritual technology is directly related to the Navy and what the Navy really does and what's really happening in the oceans. And David Martin had also said that, um, so they had originally started as the Rio Rancho Foundation before they turned into Santa Fe Institute. But according to David Martin, they're the hub of all the psyops. So social engineering is another of their big focuses in like so many different iterations. But as far as that being like the origin point um, from which the, the psyops are then implemented. What would be the Venn diagram? What would be the overlap between nuclear energy, genetics, and psychedelic gatekeeping? I mean, those things seem disparate, but where do they all coincide? Or do they? Or am I just a phantom walking in the world? That's all you, Emily. You're Miss Nuclear. Emily is multitasking. <laughs> Emily is currently obsessed with nuclear and is focusing quite a lot of research energy there. So there's no way I'm going to try to answer this for her. <laughs> okay. I, I, I keep, this is why I hate streamer. I keep losing my way back to you guys. Um, when I'm trying to look something up, I'm just wanting to find this one. Remember that one picture we had of the people sitting around the table at the, the meeting. It was like a diagram of the, people sitting at the table at the first meeting of the Rio Rancho. You remember this, Danny? I do remember this. I'm looking to see if I can find the, um, that we had this great article that we had looked at. I'm going to have to go back and take emails and see if I can find it at some point. Right. Okay. Are are you ready to take this, Emily? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the question was, what is the connection between psychedelic stuff and human genetics and nuclear and whatever? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to try and thread this needle because my brain is completely fried from looking at this. But this I, gets into I believe in you. I, I talked about with you and things that we've been getting into in the Twin Peaks series, right? So why is there, when you go to nuclear locations, okay? And so by nuclear locations, I mean nu- things that we know to be nuclear power plants, Right. But also places where they experiment with different kinds of fusion. So the nuclear power plants that we have operant in our country and places around the world right now operate on nuclear fission, which is the slamming together of particles to break them apart. It is destructive. It is it's, it takes things apart. Fusion is bringing things together. Mm-hmm. OK, so one in my head is like anti-human, anti like right? And the other is more of a creative nature. When you bring things together, it's completely different than tearing things apart. It's the same energy. It's arrived at differently, okay? So you can see that a person can gain a lot of power by tearing people down, or a person can gain a lot of power by bringing people together. They're not the same kind of people. The energy achieved, the upward motion, sometimes looks sort of like the same thing. But the people who are familiar with the situation are very different, very clear on the different pathways that were taken to get there, right? The other thing is that fission creates a lot of like uh, pollution and waste and debris and dangerous stuff. Fusion is much cleaner, and fusion is over unity. Fusion takes less energy than it than it emits and doesn't leave a mess, right? So it's kind of like the difference between like, you know, Woodstock and Burning Man. One's a leave no trace event and the other created a fucking huge dump of a mess or whatever it was on some level, right? Okay, 
So, but there's the, the same locations where they're experimenting with all of that this stuff. They're also keeping track of people's genetics. There are genetic supercomputers originally referred to as thinking machines that then went into the hand of the Sun Corporation and now is owned by Oracle that you often find in these nuclear locations, right? Maybe an upgrade on the original Nazi idea of like the IBM was keeping track of everybody's shit and whatever, right? And then these are also places where bio-warfare research is conducted. So what per se would be the connection between nuclear fusion experimentation or experimenting with energy and genetics, right? Except for if different genetics respond to said energy fields in different ways, and you're exploring that topic for a variety of reasons, and then experimenting with ways to amplify, interfere, all kinds of shit, right? So there's something, and we've talked about this, right? Like, the locations are always interesting where they put these things. They're areas that you and I would probably call some sort of natural vortex or natural portal, right? Why would you put power plants there except for you're trying to, like, maybe you've got some idea that this is a place where you can, like, get out of the firmament or get out of this layer of reality or something like that, right? And so maybe one way of doing it is by creating these high energy reactions, but the response, the, the, the high energy reaction has different results for different people who are in that environment. And there's an interest in figuring this out. What we've talked about in terms of like the keys to the different doors in the room and each person's unlocks something different. And maybe some people have the keys to all the rooms and others to specific unusual rooms or, or whatever it is, right? But if you look at like, you know, if you go look at Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, they're discovering nuclear fusion and also writing the letter about um, then now they agree with the lab leak theory and also they've studied anthrax and also they recently, right? And they also have a large, large genetic computers there and they're studying uh, molecular engineering and genetic engineering. Why are you doing this all in the same place where there's the nuclear thing going on? If it's unsafe, it seems to me you should be doing other unsafe things away from that unsafe thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, except for the fact that, like, this is the whole point. And then I just found this article the other day. And then I'm going to stop talking about this because this isn't really the point of this conversation. But sure. I have a lot of material out there already on this and more coming in the next few weeks. I was, I'm trying to figure out what is the connection between DNA or human genetics and nuclear fusion, Right. And literally, I found an article that was talking about DNA being the answer to providing nuclear fusion at scale. So my, my the way I like the, distilling it down, and I'm not saying this is exactly right, but this is how I'm understanding it at this moment. Some people are particle accelerators, and we need those people's genetics in order to run our fucking fusion machines so we can all get places that we right now can't, but they can. Gotcha. And, and just so you know, the 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 carbon nanotube lattices that they're able to create out of some of this DNA look a lot like graphene, look a lot like anthracene, right? In terms of like the, what, the, what they look like and what they're able to do. So my guess is that a lot of these um, things we're being exposed to or told that they're building all these technologies on are biomimicry of certain, hum- certain human DNA. It would be interesting to map this these uh, nuclear power plants 
like just look at the topography and look exactly where these places are on the globe in relation to each other. So I think you're going to find some that are nuclear facilities as we know them, like Three Mile Island or Diablo Canyon or whatever. But I'd say we need to look at any and every place where fusion experimentation, particle accelerators, any of that stuff, which takes you to like almost every Rocketdyne, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, any of those companies like facilities, right? As well as Department of Energy, nuclear facility, all that kind of stuff. We're looking at a lot of locations. Each of them chose, each of them selected for the work that they're doing because of their natural potential on some level, as I displayed with the with the location in Chatsworth. I Did wonder- you just say- I'm sorry. Did you say Diablo Canyon, Emily? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In New Mexico? No, in California, Northern California that, that Michael Schellenberger was talking about the other Got day. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I would be curious to see where those uh, places are in relation to each other because it's possible that those are uh, timelines that are, that are being created to, to go between those two locations or 10 locations or however many are, are around the globe. Or where they are in relation to sacred sites or strong exactly. ley line centers. I'm happy to do a show with you guys on this topic and, and sort of encase it in this strange familial connection I have to somebody who worked on said technologies that you're talking about and also was, was one of the people who holds the most patents and technologies related to nuclear fusion, magnetic mirror fusion, all of this kind of stuff that, that, that is going on. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, this, this, yeah. it's a... That's a deep uh, dive. It's a, it's a, side, <laughs> a side street, yes. Danny, if you take a screenshot right now, you've got your first album cover. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a charismatic so cult leader right now. That's, that's what I was going for. <laughs> you and the sun have corroborated. Okay, so it, 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 are we at the point where uh, Lifeboat Foundation enters the picture? Are we still a ways from that? lifeboat and I, lifeboat I just, is creepy i just went on this crazy deep dive and just kept following hunch after hunch after hunch and tripped my way into lifeboat foundation and then i like dove into those wormholes and i thought there's no way this is real like this th-. so that was when i reached out to david martin um and he and i had been you know primarily exchanging on facebook and I said, have you heard about Lifeboat Foundation? And he's like, let's schedule a call offline. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and then he confirmed that this thing is totally real. It's so freaking wackadoodle. Um, and I don't think I've even scratched the surf. I know I haven't scratched mm-hmm. the surface of what it is. I mean, that's the thing with like volunteer journalism at this point. But that it's just cuckoo pants. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around it. I mean, when I found it, it was just like, jostling like my ontological stronghold on reality and i was like uh what am i even living in well maybe for those who aren't have never this is the first time they're hearing about the lifeboat foundation maybe if you can just some begin to sum it up and and what the crazy is or you know as simply as possible so it's this janky weird like um it's a website with like, so it's so dense and it's put together in this kind of low rent kind of way. So it takes effort and you click through, you know, as a journalist, I'll, I'll go through like, you know, my standards about who's on the board, blah, 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 blah. So they, they have boards of directors with like 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And then the names are people who, you know, have showed up from like Ray Kurzweil to Amanda Fielding, who's, you know, sort of like the godmother of the psychedelic. There's, um, you know, Schmachtenberger. There's they're dead people, Kit Carson, some like Nazis. It's just, it was just this odd array. And um, this, so their boards are for like human to non-human diplomatic board, like housing on Venus, um, you know, extra dimensional, you know, boats. I mean, it's just like kind of all over the place in terms of like aliens, destruction scenarios, uh, post-extinction scenarios um, and things that are indicating that technologies that we hear established science saying are 20, 30 years out that indicates that we've had these for a long time indicates that they're operating on completely different timelines. Life extension already being here, uh, mortality being a fiction. It just like kind of upends everything. It's about like outer space, extra dimensional you know, after we blow up Earth, then what we'll be doing out there. Wow. What is that your take on it, Emily? So first of all, I'm damn good. I found the seating <laughs> chart. <laughs> I found the you seating are. chart in the article and I will struggle to figure see if I can for one. All right. For one second, yeah, see once, if I can make this thing work. Select. Because once you figure it out, go. it'll be easy. It. Yeah. I think I did it. You have to give your browser permission, I think, to, to right, open see up. See if we got it. Hold on a second. Oh, yes, shit. Oh, here shit. We go, here we go. Girl. All right. Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now, but now I can't move this page. How do I move this page? Can I go to the actual thing and you'll see what I'm doing? Let's try. Yes. Yeah, let's try. Okay. Let's and just, yes. yeah, there, there we go. go. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. All right. So yes. this is um, this person's. So I think we got. I think Rio Rancho was not the exact right name. I'm not quite sure. Rio uh, Rancho we, Institute. Rio Grande. It, it might Rio, be Rio. Rio Grande. The Rio Grande Institute. I, Grand I got Institute. it all. Okay. So this person, and it's interesting because this posted in 2019 when we started to get highly suspicious of everything. This person has the seating chart from the first meeting. Right. Wow. And this was uh, of this right in 1984, the first workshop to define what is now the Santa Fe Institute took place in, uh, on October 5th and 6th, 1984. I was right. And this, this person has all of the pictures from that. So this is literally the seating chart right here. And some of these, a few of these are names that people will be familiar with. If they've done deep research names like Murray Gelman, right. And names like uh, Nick, Metro Nick Metropolis, Nick Metropolis, there's a few others in here. I'm not going through them all right now, but other of these people are some of the ones who've managed to stay uh, less seen, and you know, and we should question what it is that they are doing, right? Um, but this is the full like these are pictures and notes about the ideas behind what they were going to do with this, and I will uh, give it to. I'll send you the link to this so you can put it in the show notes yeah, so yeah. people can go and look at it. Cool. But this connection, particularly through people like. Nick Metropolis, if I am correctly recalling some of the information that was shared with me, is that this connects into cybernetics and the Maniac program. If you're familiar with what the Maniac program is, there's literally a series on Netflix called Maniac that is actually pretty good 
at showing what it is and what it does. And then you go tell me that the things that I just told you about all these sites and the drugs and the things that they're doing with stuff or whatnot. I, I, I you know, I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard of this show. And it, it's really quite, um, it's almost shocking how like precise it is in terms of like where things are going with the crossing of technology and drugs. Right. That's the other thing that that goes on with a lot of like nuclear research and particle accelerators is development of pharmaceuticals and drugs and things like that. Right. So um, so that's the seating chart. And I'll include that article. But this was one of the things that really got Danny and I going as for lifeboat to make it a little more understandable to people. I would oh, wait, say, hang on, just before we get too far away from SFI, I think one key part is um, that they received uh, quite a bit of money from Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. I have that article right here as well. And uh, SFI, the Institute was in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book, in addition to Murray Gelman, who is the Nobel Prize winner, who used to be the president and was one of the guys at that table. I just wanted to give us that other piece. If I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, right. that wasn't the one I was wanting to hit. But. Let's just see if I can do it one more time. So down here, you'll see right, that um, Jeffrey Epstein, it's right, Jeffrey Epstein gave $275,000 to the Santa Fe Institute. I think that is probably a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. There's a couple, Omidyar has given money to this. It's all the usual suspects, right? But we don't hear about this the same way we hear about like Rand or, you know, Brookings or Aspen Institute or, or whatnot. There's a couple of more articles here somewhere. I saw it somewhere else. Jeffrey, eh, Oh, look at this. Robert Eisenstein. I wonder if that is really any relation to Charles Eisenstein. Right. So look at this, though. They're talking about look at this right here. Right. Studying com complex systems, including agent based modeling, which I'm going to get into agent based modeling on Friday with Allison McDowell for people who've been hoping for what? From the two How of did us. you get her? She's been doing. She's been doing podcasts. What? I saw. Her, I saw her on Instagram today. I'm gonna have gonna to bother her again. We're gonna do a conversation on a specific topic and record it. Cool. Um, but this uh, agent-based modeling, network theory, computational immunology—what the fuck are you talking about? The yeah. physics of the physics of financial markets, genetic algorithms. Right. To think about what I'm talking about. Right. Genetic algorithms would be the key to the rooms that I'm talking about kind of thing, computation and machine learning. Um, I suggest people go watch that television series, um, uh, Maniac on, they're into chaos theory, artificial life, genetic algorithms, complexity economics. So they want to, um, they want to create a closed system that mimics, that is biomimicry of some of the, you know, most wonderful things about nature, including the human mind, the human body, like our imagination, all that kind of stuff. And, and they want to create like a closed controlled version of that as opposed to an open system that allows for, um, you know, actual real input and output and whatnot. But as far as lifeboat, I would say, so remember the idea I laid down about how, I mean, when you and I were talking, I think that like the people who work at a place like uh, Livermore Laboratory or, um, uh, Rocketdyne or Boeing, or maybe they're in a special department in the military, like Bragg, uh, Briggs on, on, on Twin Peaks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
or maybe they work at Santa Fe Institute, which is the the um, liaison between uh, pop culture and the military or, or these projects on some level, right? Their after hours secret society would be lifeboat. So, right, would be lifeboat. So the people who work on, on these government projects or these military industrial complex or now these sensitive censorship or monetary industrial complex things, after hours, they get together and talk about the more esoteric occurrences related to the technologies and the ideas that they're experimenting. Mm-hmm. So they're all compartmentalized at work. They probably notice weird things happen, like when they turn the reactor on, aside from just like, you know, maybe energy fields or or things melting down or whatever that like, you know, so-and-so act weird, things appear that weren't there before, things disappear, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, mug that was on this table ends up on the other uh, side of the building, but doesn't seem to be broken or all kinds of weird shit. And this is where they get together to like talk about the esoteric or the more spiritual side or how else they can play with this in a more Crowley-esque type of way in their own personal lives. And they hang out and they drink whiskey and they, do, you know, and they smoke cigars or whatever. They probably do weirder stuff than just that. Yoga. They, <laughs> they, snort, they snort adrenochrome. Right. Or what they do, whatever the fuck they do, they talk about it. And, and I would say that Lifeboat might be the Black Lodge, right? Mm. There's probably a White Lodge too. There's probably a Bookhouse Boys that are like, what the fuck are these people doing? And they're trying to keep up pace with the understanding. For some reason, when people are looking at the, the dark side of something, they seem to get a little extra assistance that the people on the light side don't quite ever seem to get. But they're, they're tracking it as well. So we have that same sort of setup. And what Lifeboat seems like to me is exactly the way Danny described it. But from looking at their website, I feel like one of the things they've done is they have figured out how to use um, cryptocurrency and blockchain as like a cross-dimensional currency exchange, right? So if you um, if you notice, there's all these weird donations from like a lot of businesses that seem to be about like building and masonry and stone and stuff like that, but also pizza places, but they're like donations for like a dollar. What would be the point of that other than you're checking to see, like, let's just say that the Black Lodge has created a, a pocket dimension or another, or they found a wormhole to another universe, and they want to see if you can bring your shit from this world to that world. Your money, even if it's not, even if they don't think that's important, they want to see if that can be attained. And I think that's one of the things that cryptocurrency is is doing let's avoid the conversation about whether crypto is a good thing or a bad thing or a right. blah, 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 blah. i think that the level of computation and whatever the fuck is going on with the way they do it like they're experimenting with that in fact one of my favorite psychedelic heroes who gets no love from the controlled psychedelic industrial complex kalindi Yee, talked about bitcoin as cross-dimensional currency and he spends a lot of time in other dimensions so he would know <laughs> <laughs> right and so if you're let's just say you have figured out how to let's say that you're in the the red velvet room with uh the woman who looks like laura palmer and the little midget mm-hmm. right and you and, and um you're and you want to see uh, if you go there, like you're, let's say you're telling Briggs or someone else that you're working with, maybe Truman or whatever, right? Like, let's see if there's a way that we can connect 
this world and that world. One way you would do that to see if there's a way to send something of value across those lines, right? And that's the only sense I've really been able to make of some of the things we saw on their donation page is they're like just testing that out, right? They're testing it out and it's almost like there's this weird like crypto thing called something like city on a chain or something. Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? And it's like, you can buy like the digital realm version of Dallas. And then like, that's your city in the crypto realm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard of stuff like, kind that. Of like that. Yeah. So so-and-so's pizza place that is here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, mm-hmm. if their dollar makes it across the dimensions, yeah. then like they have the rights to open their pizza place there too. It's like in the, metaverse. In the next reality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We can eat virtual pizza. There's something more to this, this react, this dimension than the metaverse that they're selling people here. Like the one that they're convincing people of here will be either with a headset on or in a location somewhere in town that is like an augmented mixed media reality. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a different vibrational realm. I think this would be um, the thing that like the thing that they're going to give for themselves. And while they sell the, you know, Facebook version of metaverse to the, the plebes who will be generating enough energy to send those cross-dimensional currencies by whatever game they're playing on fucking metaverse. Uh, okay, well then let's 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 call it quits. Um, can you guys maybe let the listeners know where they can find you and your glorious work online? So you go, you go ahead. No, go ahead. So the the main hub is our locals page, which is wordspodcast.locals.com. Um, and we're kind of in this, uh, experimental phase with different ways of doing our content. I don't know that we're going to continue to put like regular long form content out on YouTube. We may occasionally do live streams and put clips out. Um, but if you want extensive long form, you know, the two of us doing our thing, that's at the, the locals page. Mm -hmm. And, um, we would, we're, we would love to talk about this with other people like we're doing with you here today. We want to be asked questions. Mm-hmm. We want to resolve the inconsistencies in our thinking and our perceptions around this. Mm-hmm. So we would like to be able to talk about this with other podcast hosts and live speaking engagements and looking for opportunities to gather with real people in real life and, 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 and not just be in the box all the time. And we're wanting to do some of those things, you know, those things together. We're both on all sorts of podcasts separately. You two are the second brave set of well, second and third brave souls to invite us on together. Our buddy Shane was the first, but uh-huh. we would like to see more of that and we would like to bring it into the real world on a more cool. sort of significant level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Danny, you, you want, uh-huh. any, want to steer anybody anywhere? Uh, no, I want to okay. steer them to our locals. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I just, just checking just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for agreeing to come on and explain this to us. We were both relatively clueless. I had a little more of a clue than Hunter did, but uh, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. I'm always willing to slander a, a sacred cow when it seems appropriate because I'm just as capable of, 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 uh, getting behind sacred cows as anybody else. I was a big Jordan Peterson fan. Uh, still, you know, I still like some of the things that he has to say. I think he's been skewed by the context that he appears in these days. And, 
you know, it just makes me a little suspect about the direction that he's heading or he's being steered. Uh, so I love to hear things like that. And you two are such profound, fantastic researchers. Uh, uh, yeah, just having you both on to talk about it, it's been fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on. You're still Jordan Peterson curious. Ooh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so for, having, for having us absolutely oh, our pleasure what'd you think i, mean, I, I think just I know what you love think. those girls i could i could just talk to them all the time i just love them so much and i really enjoyed that they're so fucking smart and my god yes savvy and they just have so much so much information to share and are so forthcoming with it it's really it's really great yes and i knew that i wanted to dig more into this from hearing several here and there podcasts the words podcast between danny and emily when they would bring it up and it was always very compelling information and i love hearing about things that i hear nowhere else uh and especially if it's Danny and Emily talking about it, um, because they're obviously very good at deep diving, very good at researching, and it's you're on video. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, I forgot. I, she's I'm a tired. human. She yawns. I'm yeah. tired. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Deep Things, diving, deep very diving, good. really yeah. good, especially and when it's them ousting sacred cows. Um, I, yeah. I, you know, as much as I sometimes don't want to hear that stuff, I really d- do. My higher self does want to hear that stuff because ultimately, I'm here for the truth, and <laughs> um, if that means uh, you know taking away or diminishing or putting in a different light. Um, somebody that I admire or respect, then so be it. Well, I posit that there are lots of different ways that things operate and work and lots of different tentacles to this uh, octopus. And, you know, to... Imagine, I think the kind of the Hollywood version is that there's this meeting and everyone gets together and they all sign off on what the conspiracy is is going to be. And that may be true for some versions of reality. Uh, but there's also other ways. There, there are psycho, psychic weapons that can be used. And there's lots of different ways to mind control and motivate and move people. So do I think that someone sat Jordan Peterson down and said, okay, this is your op and this is how you are going to move in this space and this is what you are going to become and dot, dot, dot. I don't necessarily believe that. Do I think that he can be manipulated and controlled and and moved into uh, being a certain type of a character in all of this? Sure. Just like I I trust that uh, Joe Rogan has that same capability. You know, when Joe Rogan started, he was on the fucking fear factor. (laughs) You know, he was on a, a... mainstream media machine television show 
do I think that back then he was a conspiracist and, you know, he was on the man show. He, he was on these very, these very like, you know, mainstream mindset, um, TV shows. So it's possible that somewhere along the lines, he got compromised and, you know, did it take $110 million for him to do that? Sure. You know, does he still have people on his show like Alex Jones? Like, uh, you know, I find it interesting he's never had David Icke on his show. You know. Are you sure he hasn't? He hasn't. Hmm. And Ike, the reason I say that is because Ike has talked a lot about that on his son's show. That, you know, why haven't you ever had my dad on your show? You've never talked to my dad. Why, why, why? So... I think that there's, you know, some interesting, uh, some interesting paths to go down in these, in these realms and in these worlds. And anytime there's specific people that keep popping up, like with Santa Fe Institute and Epstein, it, you know, you should go, hmm, that's curious. Why would he, you know, $250,000, it's nothing. It's pocket change to Epstein, you know, he was a billionaire. So that could be, as Danny was saying, or as Emily was saying, that could be a way of just putting a drop in the bucket to see if that drop goes into some other realm or into some other dimension. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just, I love having these conversations with powerful people who have different perspectives from what you're hearing in what's considered the alternative media space. Sure. Um, I find the Lifeboat Foundation particularly compelling as Danny was listing all the things that were on the site and the things that they deal with. It's hard to uh, put them in any sort of box and to really get the gist of what their motives are. Although it does seem suspicious when they're talking about the inevitability of things like the singularity and that the transhumanism seems to be a done deal and we might as well just make it as, you know, least painful, the least painful version of it as possible because they talk about, um, they're trying to, um, build upon the ideas of friendly AI, Whatever that means, like, like that's assuming there's a hateful AI um, and that there are some positive nanotechnologies that we can engage to, you know, stop the encroaching wave of all of this uh, cold and crazy technological stuff that's supposedly coming down the pipeline. It's just a very interesting tactic um, because they are very, they come off as seeming very critical of these things, but at the same time, the, their solution doesn't really fall far from that tree that they're pointing a finger at. Well, all of this goes into the post-human bucket. All of this falls into the ideology that humans will be extinct. So what machine learning is really about is about taking your personality, taking your likes and dislikes and implanting that into artificial intelligence. And then that artificial intelligence being able to respond back to you in a way that is like your own personal algorithm. 
So what they're talking about when they're talking about machine learning is really nefarious and really scary because what that implies to me is that they are basically soaking up all of the information that they can from humanity and then they will dispense with humanity because humanity won't be necessary anymore. I don't know how much I completely buy that scenario in the sense of I think that they are the reason that they're just not blowing us all up or mowing us all down is because they they need the energy that supposedly that they're harvesting from us. So they can still, I think, elicit that energy if we're just sitting in uh, haptic chairs with goggles on all the time because we're still being... Um, stimulated in a way that would that could cause us to feel things and that's where these this energy comes from is emotion um fear things whatever uh so i think that they do need us um but maybe they just need less of us yeah i don't know i don't know that i necessarily believe you know and when i'm i'm talking about this dystopian uh narrative it's not the one that I'm choosing yeah, to course. buy into. It's the one that I I think that uh, that is perhaps being honed and exercised and worked on. Yes. And the idea being that if you comply, then you know it's like it's like the the Carlos told the story about two cats that were going to get. Um, put to sleep and one of the cats was very compliant and as the owner was taking the cat into the vet the you know the cat's purring and and you know this person's petting the cat and you know and the cat from all, for all intents and purposes has no idea that it's going to be put down mm-hmm. The other cat, when the owner went to get the cat out of the car, the cat bolted and ran and got away. So I think that that's, that could be one of these scenarios is that we are the cats. Which one of us is going to go willingly into this dark night and which one of us is going to bolt and be like, no, I'm not going down that road. I don't care what you're promising me, haptic suit, metaverse, you know, being able to do whatever I want, but sitting in some chair somewhere while I'm doing it. I think that, that, that it's possible that there will be some people that would want that reality and would comply with that reality. And then there are other people who don't want anything to do with that reality and that are going to fucking bolt. And that's the cat I am. (laughs) I think, you know, that's the cat I am too. That's right. So fuck your haptic suit and your metaverse and your goggles and all your bullshit because I ain't complying. Not at all. And I feel that our listeners are probably in the same state of mind. I'd rather eat dirt. I'd literally rather eat dirt in the forest. Forage. Fact. Fire. <laughs> Facts, fire, and foraging. <laughs> the three Fs. That's the new melt There's sentence. another one. <laughs> That's true. Which will lead to more fire, foraging, and facts. <laughs> We're such freaks. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank goodness. <laughs> so yeah, we're not having it. No, but we're just trying to no. map or get a get an idea of what they think is going to happen. Um, so we know to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Or just go into a completely different direction. I just, I think that there are... People, you know, I, I qualify these people with like incels. There are people who are just angry, who can't connect with another human being. And so they just want to blow it all up. They just want to blow it up. They just don't want to have to try to find someone to love or find a, a reality that they can be in that, that, suits them that makes them feel good so the way that they manifest that and deal with that is fuck the world i'm going to go into this virtual reality and be able to have sex with whatever porn star i want to and it doesn't matter what's going on in the real world because i'm in this virtual world and that virtual world's great because the real world sucks for them Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's the people who are are lifeboaters and promoting all this bullshit Exactly. As if it's inevitable. Nothing, nothing is inevitable. So there you go. What's inevitable is how you, what you do with your own energy and how you, where you steer your own ship. And so, you know, to change metaphors really quickly. Do it. I have a friend who was a a motorcycle enthusiast and motorcycle driver. He was a Ducati driver. And he used to say, you know, when you're going 120 miles an hour on a Ducati, you're not looking straight ahead. You're always looking to the left or whatever way your bike is, is, uh, turning. Because if you're looking straight ahead, you're going to crash. You have to be consistently looking at the place where you want your bike to go. And I think that's what we're trying to do is we're examining these things, not because this is the reality that we want. We just want to know what to steer away from. Yes. And that's a good, it's a good bow to put on this little after babble, I think. I like it. I like bows. <laughs> You're good with bows. She knows her way around a bow. Guys, <laughs> just letting you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Well, the, you know, the way you wrap packages. Such care. I'm a rapper. The original rapper. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all so, so very much for listening. It is much appreciated, and I hope that you've gotten something from this conversation. I, for one, certainly have. Um, and I want to look more into these things, too, as I am inspired by this conversation. Um, if you would like to get a hold of us, to suggest guests, a lot of our guests come from suggestions. Uh, you can email us at themeltpodcast at protonmail.com or... You can always reach me at hunter-muse at protonmail.com. You get a name on front of your, in the, on your email. Mine's just the podcast. Is that it? <laughs> Are you name-shaming me? How dare you? How dare you? You're just more of a personality, and I, I'm just don't go I'm there. Just the podcast. No, I'm I'm not a personality. I'm just me. I'm just a girl. I wasn't saying that you're trying something to make false. it in this big bad world. <laughs> um, 
yes, and thank you once again for those of you that share, pass on, disseminate in, in whatever way you see fit our content. It is greatly appreciated. We would like to think that we have something valuable to say and discuss with people. Um, hopefully you think the same way. So also going to whatever podcast catcher that you use to listen to our podcasts. <coughs> Pardon me. If you uh, leave a rating or leave a review, that is very helpful as far as these crazy algorithms are concerned, and they help to get us out to more people. So, I do want to quickly uh, send a shout out to our UK friend, Drew. We are thinking about you and your health and hoping that you are okay. Yes. Um, please reach out to us and just... Send us a, a quick email so that we know that you are all right. Yeah. Because we absolutely. miss you. We miss your your banter. And we would like to have you on the show still. Yep. All right. All right, guys. Love you very love much. You. We are happy to be here with you. And thank you for sharing this time. And let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeehaw! <laughs> To hear the full-length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month, just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you. <laughs>